the blessings we have here as a community, as Royal Redeemer Church, isn't just for us. It's for all people everywhere. But I want you to think about this question. Do you really believe you're a sinner? I mean, do you really believe that you are doomed to eternity in hell? And do you believe that God loves you too much to let that happen? That he would send his son Jesus to live and die in your place. And because of this free gift he gives us, now you have an eternity in his heavenly kingdom. If you really and truly believe that to be true, then how can it not change your life? How can it not change the way you live, what you do, why you do it? And how can you not go out and want to share that with everyone you come in contact with? It ought to be contagious with your words, with your actions. People ought to see and hear what excites you. Now, last week we had our senior pastor, Pastor Zardi, preach at all six of the services because we're setting the direction for our congregation. We're talking about our mission. We're talking about our values. What are we going to do? Why are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? And so this mission of what do we do? Well, to quote a very famous line to some of us in Mission Impossible, it would say your job, if you choose to accept it is, and now we're going to fill in the blank for you. And that's to invite people to exchange everyday life for contagious Christian community. That's what we exist for. We do it individually in our lives, and we do it as a congregation. And you might say, well, why? Why would I want to do that? Well, because it's worth it. And that's what this series is going to help us do. And we're going to look at four, I'm sorry, we're going to look at five core values. And we're going to be able to really emphasize the fact that they point out the fact that it is worth it. Last week when Pastor Zardi was preaching, he was helping us realize that every single one of us have a love worth demonstrating. And and the summary of what that was all about was the fact that God's love for us in Christ changes everything, doesn't it? It fills us. It, It renews our hearts. And he does that so that we're able to show love and compassion to other people. If you were here last week, you saw that we had keychains that say, it's worth it. You're going to keep hearing that phrase. If you weren't here, they're in a basket out there. Go take one to remind yourself every morning. We had stickers that say, it's worth it. And then at the end of the message, I'll tell you what the four action steps that are on here. Maybe put that on a water bottle if you have one, or put it on your Bible, or some way that you'll be able to see that over and over again. And then last week, we signed these panels that you see here. And there's one out in the commons. There's some over in the sanctuary. And what we're saying is that we're in this together. We're in agreement that this is the mission of me as an individual and the mission of Royal Redeemer. If you weren't here last week, I suggest after the service come up, just your first name and sign it on these panels. And what is going to happen is we're going to take all the signatures from all the services and the panels and we're going to etch them into some metal that can go outside the building so that anybody that comes on our campus sees who we are and what we are called by God to do. If you were here last week, you will also see that uh, that he talked about the Good Samaritan story. And, and it's familiar to many of you, 
But this guy's wandering down the road there, and he gets mugged, you know, and uh, uh, left for dead. And then two religious guys come along, and you think, all right, this is going to have a good ending. They walk right past. Oh, they knew God's word. They just didn't put him into practice. And yet we also know that a Samaritan of all people comes along. And we know that he stopped, but more importantly, he felt something in his heart. And more importantly than that, he came to a conclusion in his head, and then he went and used his hands to take action, to move forward, to help this person. He had been loved by God, and now he is loving other people. Why? Because we have a love worth demonstrating. And we do that. We do that with our words, with our actions, with our priorities, with our finances, with our gifts, with our passions. Well, that catches you up from last week. But a challenge that I want to give you, if you were not here last week, go to RoyRed.org, and you'll see it's a very easy link, and watch Pastor Zardi's message from last week. I think it's important that we're all rowing in the same direction as a congregation. And now today, we're going to see that it is worth it because we have a journey worth walking. And what I hope we walk out of here understanding is the fact that we can recognize that life as a Christ follower, which hopefully we all are, is a lifelong process of love and growth and faith. And if you're doing that, you're going to impact other people. Your life, my life, all of our lives are really a journey. Now, sometimes we say we're going to go on a trip. Maybe we're going on a school trip. Maybe we're going on a business trip or a weekend trip or a day trip or whatever it is. But then we also take these longer trips that we call journeys. And it can be to anywhere, but but a journey is usually longer, and it usually is a process of many steps. It can be arduous, lots of discoveries made. God's got one plan for you. He has an individual journey for each and every one of us in this room right now. God had a journey planned for me, and heaven only knows why. But I was raised as a Catholic, and, and then as a teen, I started questioning my faith, questioning if there really is a God. And, and then as a young adult, I became an atheist. I said, there's no God, and there's certainly no plan for my life. But see, God never gave up on me because his journey for me was more than just that little segment of my life. And I met my wife. She was a Lutheran. And I started to go to church with her only to please her. But then God spoke to me, became an active Christian. Somehow he wanted this goofball guy to be a pastor. And that journey continues on. The question is, how about you? What journey does God have laid out for you individually, and what journey does he have for us as a congregation? So to help explain that journey, a show of hands, how many of you love roller coaster rides? Put your hands up if you love them. Boy, almost everybody. I am the guy that says, here, I'll watch your purse and your pack. I'll sit here on the bench, have all the fun you want up there, you know. But I know for many of you, roller coasters are awesome, right? The faster, the higher, the scarier, the better for all of you. But you all agree there's a downside. And the downside is you stand in line for an hour and a half, and the ride is pretty quick. I looked it up. The top dragster ride at Cedar Point, you stand in line an hour, hour and a half, 17 seconds, and it's done. i got to tell you, 
our lives are pretty much like that. I'm going to challenge you to take hold of every exhilarating moment because just like that roller coaster ride, before you know it, life comes to an end. So let's read this verse together in Psalm 90. Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us spend them as we should. See, I think it's really important that we realize that each day is a new day and you don't get it back again later. The clock is ticking. And the truth is that God has you on a journey and he wants you not to waste any of the time that he gives you. And because we have this journey worth walking, I think God wants us to live passionately. So what are you passionate about? You might have to ask a friend or someone that you trust, what do they see you get invigorated by? What defines you? For some, maybe it's family or sports or fishing or reading. God did not create you just to sit isolated in a room. It's a journey worth walking. And he wants you to see your life as an adventure. And your spiritual journey that you're on should be a process to help to figure out who am I in Christ? What did he want me to accomplish for him? And what's my purpose? So here's a a, a fact that will show that God does have a plan for you. Let's read this section from Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. See, God wants you to step out, to be bold, step out of your comfort zone. If you ever really want a quote to live by that's simple and easy to remember, Don't go through life, grow through life. That's God's plan for you, to grow passionately, to accomplish his mission, to be able to connect with him daily. So how do we do all that? Well, I think the first thing we do is we take advantage of those opportunities to grow. Do you ever hear that saying, if you're not growing, you're dying? Well, I don't know about all of that, but in God's plan for you, you're to grow every day, grow closer to him, grow closer in your understanding of the plans that he has for you. We see in 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it they may grow up in salvation. Grow up. It's a constant process. And that happens when you connect with God, when you pray to God, when you ask God for opportunities to serve other people, when you ask God to help you know how to witness to someone else. In other words, when you have the wisdom to live as God called you to do. In Proverbs 19.8, it says, The one who gets wisdom loves life. The one who cherishes understanding will soon prosper. So we're supposed to take advantage of those opportunities to grow, and we need to take advantage of opportunities to serve. You know, we hear the statement that we're supposed to be Christ-like. So what does that mean? Well, he's the ultimate example of someone who served. He allowed himself to take on flesh. He allowed himself to live and die and be nailed to a cross so that you could receive his grace and his forgiveness and eternal life. Talks about it in Matthew 20, 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
See, our journey on earth becomes a journey worth walking when we realize we're here to serve other people. And quite frankly, that's usually not convenient. It's certainly not easy. It's not always planned. But as we saw in the story of the Good Samaritan last week, it's what God wants us to do. Step out of our comfort zone. Put our calendars aside and help people. You ever wonder why you have two hands? I mean, why didn't God just design us with one hand? I think it's the fact that you have a hand to help support yourself and another one to reach out and help somebody else. And next Saturday is the perfect opportunity for you to do that. Because this Saturday that's coming up is Servant Saturday. And that's what we're called to do as a community. Oh, we do all those things other times, but 300 people coming together to make a difference, to make a statement in the community. If you haven't signed, who's, how many have signed up so far? Put your hand up. Look at those hands. Great. If you've not signed up, when you walk through these double doors, there are a whole bunch of tables and a whole bunch of projects. People that have a need, and they're all different. And so find what you can do, sign up, and join us next Saturday. Well, we're also supposed to take advantage of our opportunities to share. You know, it's intriguing to me that we teach our children to share, right? If you've got a child, you taught them, share your toys, share your candy, share your ice cream. And then we become adults and we forget that. We don't like to share. And yet you have the greatest gift of all. It's the sweet gospel. It'll never run out if you share it. God wants you to do that. It's a journey worth walking when you can share with Jesus Christ and you can share that love He has with people. Here's a great verse for you. This could be a good life verse. Let's read this together. and It's a way for you to have a job description as a Christian. So let's read it. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. It doesn't say do it always. It says be prepared for the right moment, the right time, the right situation to share the joy you have. Don't tell somebody, you ought to go to the bullet church and believe God. You tell them, I go, and here's how it's impacted my life. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't really know exactly what it'll be in heaven And yet, can you imagine if you're there and someone walks up to you and says, Hey, I want to thank you. I was on a journey that led to me going to a very, very warm place for all eternity. But you stopped and took the time. You helped me. You told me about Jesus. And look, here I am in heaven. So take opportunities to grow, to serve, to share. And God wants you to love completely. As I got to this point in the sermon, I realized we're pretty fickle when it comes to love. I mean, we kind of reserve love for people who are nice to us or people who can help us and do good for us. Or when you get your act all cleaned up, then maybe I will love you. And it's the complete opposite of Jesus and what we're supposed to do because of him. Do you remember this verse in Romans 5.8? God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. This is beyond my understanding. God did not say, I'm going to wait until you become lovable. 
He didn't say, I'm going to wait until you're perfect. He says, I love you. I die for you. In spite of you. In spite of your warts, wrinkles, and self-centered hearts, I love you. He's saying that to you here today. If you don't feel that lovable, God still loves you. And then he wants you to go out and do the same thing. How do we do that? Well, we can fully love others when we restore damaged relationships. I don't know if you're willing to put your hand up to this, but how many of you have a damaged relationship in your life? Just put your hand up if you do. Yeah, it's a little more awkward of a question to ask. It could be a neighbor. It could be a coworker, could be the person sitting next to you and you don't want to look at them right now. But the reality is relationships are tough. And I'm going to ask you, what would restoring that relationship look like? Because God wants you to do that. Well, first of all, you need to say it now. If there's something that needs to be said, you be the first. You be the one that steps forward and says the words that need to be said. And words are nice, but secondly, show it now. Let those words be transformed into an action of some sort that shows love. Back your words up with those actions and then share it now. And share it now is a broad category in my mind when I put this on here. You might be sharing your talents. Maybe there's something you can do, a helping hand or a listening ear. Or maybe you're sharing some treasures you have, some money or something that can help this person through whatever the difficulty is. And, of course, sharing the hope you have in Christ Jesus. And because we have this journey worth walking, God wants us to learn, to learn, I mean, wants us to learn humbly. Learn humbly. That's a hard word. I'll be transparent. This last week's really hard for me. Being humble. Seems like everywhere I go, someone wants to say something about my ministry. And and it's God's ministry. He used to goofball to accomplish something. But it's hard to be humble. And yet Jesus learned humility. It's an interesting sentence that I just said. But in Luke 2.52, it says Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor of God and man. He learned humility. He left his heavenly kingdom and walked this earth for us. Jesus was able to do that. In Philippians 2, it says, In your relationship with one another, have that same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You're a child of God. We're supposed to have that same mindset that he had. And by humbling himself, he'll help see you through problems and pains. And realize that that journey is worth walking. And how do we learn this thing? Well, I can tell you what, it can only happen with God. You can never do this on your own. It will never get accomplished on your own. If we look in Ephesians 3, it says, I pray that out of the glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being so that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith. 
And I pray that you being rooted, being established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. Do you think you have the love of Christ in your heart? Have you welcomed his love into your life? Do you live a life that is intentionally God-centered, Christ-focused? That's what happens. Rooted. Rooted. Growing up. And then God wants us to leave boldly. I bet you came in here today and weren't going to hear, think, expecting to hear that in a message, right? End of Jesus' ministry, he left boldly, right? I mean, we know in Luke 9:51, as the time approached for him to be taken to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Can you imagine that? He knows all things. He knew what was waiting for him there. And yet he knew it was God's plan. He knew he was going to die for us. You're going to die. I'm going to die. It's a fact. It's a reality. But the question is, have you ever wondered what legacy you're going to leave behind? It's an interesting question, isn't it? What do you hope that people are going to say when they walk past your casket? What do you hope your eulogy will say about you? I challenge you this week, find some quiet time and write down what you hope the answer to that question will be. I doubt it's going to say, people are going to say, I had a nice car. I dressed really nice. What do you want them to say? And then the question is, what are you doing to accomplish that legacy? What changes might you have to make so that someday Jesus says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. And he ain't going to say, well done, you ended up with a nice bank account, or you got a low golf score, thanks a lot. Really, I challenge you, this week, write down what you hope would be said. And remember that these achievements, our careers, our bank accounts, they're not going to last forever. They're going to be gone not going to see a U-Haul go into the cemetery with your casket. But you know, there are two things that are going to last forever. One is God's Word, His precious Word, the Bible. You have it in your life. And it's powerful. And the grass withers, the flowers fall, but the Word of God will endure forever. In the beginning, God spoke the Word, the Logos. God gave us His Word to live by. And to give us hope. And my question and challenge to you is, are you reading it? I know you have a Bible. I know you have a Bible app. But are you using it every single day? Are you studying it? Are you praying, Lord, help me know what to do because of what you just told me? Are you meditating? It's His words for your life, for your journey. And the other thing that's going to last forever is your soul. You ever think about that? Kind of going through the day. I mean, do you realize this body, this tent that you live in is temporary? But that soul lives on forever. Either in a really neat high place or a really low, not so good place. But it lives on forever. That's what makes the journey worth walking. Is the fact that what you do here can impact other people. 
so that they too will have eternal life. It is worth it. So these key practices are kind of replacing the action steps that we would normally have at the end of a message. But these action steps are the same all five weeks of this series. And the reason they're there is they are key practices that I would love to see each and every one of you take on daily. And that first one asks the question, am I connecting with God? Every day. Are you reading some devotional? Are you studying His Word? Are you praying to Him? Are you listening for His response? And it's good to know God's Word, but the second one is asking yourself, am I following the lead? If God's nudging you, do you knock on the door of the neighbor and help them? If God is nudging you at the restaurant, do you ask the waitress, can I say a prayer for you? What's going on in your life? Are you following His lead? And then are you loving other people? Loving other people means you put them first, above you, that they become the number one priority. And then are you restoring relationships? I know not a lot of hands went up when I asked that question, but I promise that most of you have some relationship that you hope just goes away, you don't want to ever see them. God wants you to be the one that steps forward and at least attempts some reconciliation. It takes two, but at least to step forward. Lord, we just thank you for the fact that we're your children. We thank you for opportunities to walk with you, to grow with you, to be your servants. Lord, it is worth it. Help us on our journeys. Help us to keep our eyes wide open for others that we can help, that we can support, that we can encourage, and that we can have the opportunity to share the hope that we have with you. Help us individually. Help us collectively. Why? Because it definitely is worth it. Amen.